Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. Happy Friday. If it's Friday when you're listening to this, it's actually a Friday that I'm writing it, which doesn't always happen. Um, Whatever day it is that you're listening to this, I hope that you're still safe and well and wearing your mask and distantly socializing. Um, Today, we have the Homeric Hymn to Hephaestus, number 20 in the corpus of Homeric Hymns. Um, As usual, I'm working from the excellent Susan Shelmerdine translation. I have the usual background information. Uh, When was it written? Who knows? Where was it written? Good question. (laughs) Uh, The Hephaestus in Athens was dedicated in the mid to late 5th century BCE, so we do know that Hephaestus had entered the Pantheon by then, but that doesn't really tell us much about him 20 because whether it has any relationship whatsoever to the Hephaestus, um, maybe, maybe not, who knows. Uh, But that does give us some dating of, of when Hephaestus became part of the Greek pantheon. Um, anyway, the hymn begins in the typical fashion, calling on the muse to sing of Hephaestus. He is the original maker, along with Athena, um, and shared his knowledge of crafts with mankind. Um, Athena, you'll recall, gave the knowledge of womanly crafts, like weaving, and Hephaestus does the more manly things, like metalworking. And yes, those are stereotypes, but the ancient Greeks, as we know, had pretty strict mores regarding gender roles. Um, But back to the hymn. Humans were really lucky to learn these crafts because before that they lived in caves and were a little different from wild animals. But now they have houses and life is easy. And with that, the poet says farewell and asks for blessings from Hephaestus. Um, According to Shelmerdine's notes, Hephaestus was not originally a Greek god, which means he was brought into the pantheon later. So it is interesting to look at what we know of his mythology and how this hymn links him to Athena. Um, Athena, you'll recall, was born out of Zeus's head. Um, So in some ways she has no mother. She does, but her mother did not give her birth. Zeus did. It's it is messed up. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's a version of Hephaestus's birth in which he is the son of Hera through Parthenogenesis. So, she, so in some tellings of Hephaestus, he has no father. So Athena has no mother. Um, Hephaestus has no father. Um, none of this is mentioned in this hymn, um, or at least not in any of the lines that have survived. Who knows? This hymn may have been longer once, and there may have been more about it. Um, but what we have does not mention this at all. But it really is interesting to look at these two gods side by side. And while this hymn is dedicated to Hephaestus, it is almost as much about Athena as it is about him. It's it's not about, you know, just Hephaestus giving gifts of craftsmanship to humans. It's about Athena and Hephaestus together doing this. Um and whose gifts helped mankind mo- move out of the caves and into the houses? It, it's, it isn't really clear that that move would have happened with only one of them. It, it needed both. Um, so now I'm totally spitballing. But historically, we see lots of paired deities. I mean, even if we look at uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, um, 
there was a period when the Judeo-Christian God was not mo- that when it was not monotheistic. There was the father God and there was a mother God. There were uh, they were a pair, and eventually monotheism and this requirement that there be only one took over, and and that female deity was erased, was removed, um, or subsumed. And it's almost like we're seeing something similar here. Not that not that latter part where they're subsumed, but that relationship where it takes both a male and a female, it takes a mother and a father. Um, even though um even though it's not, of course, Athena is not it is one of the virgin goddesses, right? But so we have a god and his consort or a goddess and her consort, but it's a husband wife team raising mankind up. Um and even though Athena and Hephaestus are not romantically linked like most of those couples that we see, that usually they're spouses, right? Um, but together, they've given mankind the tools to create civilization. And that's what these paired deities do. They create civilization. And together, according to this hymn, that's what Athena and Hephaestus have done. Um, and per that, perhaps this is part of how Hephaestus entered the Greek pantheon as a male counterpart to the female Athena. Um, so (laughs) what do you think about Hephaestus in general, um, or this poem in particular? Uh, pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. On Monday, we get another piece of the Orestes story with Iphigenia at Taurus, or Iphigenia among the Taurians, or something about Iphigenia and the city of Taurus or the people who live there. Um, There are two Euripides plays about Iphigenia. We're tackling the Taurus one on Monday. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.